Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we rejoice that we are gathered again together to fellowship in the light of your word. Thank you for the access that we have into revelation knowledge. Veils fall off, clarity comes. Your people built up, equipped, edified, Jesus glorified. We decree that tonight whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. And we declare that by the end of this service, nobody lives the same way they came. We give you praise, glory, and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name and every believer sees a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media community. We're so glad to welcome all of you brothers and sisters connected to the service tonight. We also want to welcome all of the Acquired Bomb State community connected right now by way of Comfort FM, XLFM, Radio Acquired Bomb, Heritage FM, Inspiration FM. We're so glad to welcome all of you. Do me the favor like you've always done. Invite a friend, a family member, somebody you love. Ask them to tune to this radio station. It's going to be an exciting adventure in the word of his grace. The social media community, brothers and sisters online, like you've always done, let's do it again today. Help me share the video on your page, tag as many people as possible, put them on as many groups as possible, and join as many groups as possible on your page. Also, put them on monogram, telegram, drop them on WhatsApp groups. Let's get this word to the ends of the earth. Let's lighten the dark places of the earth. I also want to welcome all of our house centers and everyone connected in the campuses all over the world. We love you. We're glad you're a part of the service tonight. Get ready. It's going to be exciting. Make sure you have your children. Make sure you have your young people all assembled together. Let's fellowship in the light of God's word. And of course, parents are critical or you're planning to be a parent. You need to listen to what I'm about to share with you tonight from the word of Almighty God. All right? Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet smart self. Let's get in the world. Praise God. Mm-mm-mm. We're still examining wisdom for living and under the, the relationships of the new creation. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
So, we have been looking at the relationships of the new creation. We've said as a child of God, who is born of God, the Bible teaches us how to relate. Whom and who we should relate with and who we cannot relate with. Or how to relate with different kinds of people that exist. In that same Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16, Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16, it says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So we see a distinction in humanity. Because Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14, Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. Next verse. And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Next verse. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Praise God. So we see a distinction in humanity. Some people are temples of idols and some people are temples of God. So we are not all the same. We can look alike, we can dress alike, we can speak alike, but we are not all the same. Our decision based on the gospel makes the difference. If you believe the gospel, you are a son of God. First John chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. First John chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Next verse. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So, we are the sons of God today. That is the identity of anyone who has believed in the gospel. He is a son of God. Then we began to talk about relationships that we have. Amos chapter 3 verse 3. Amos chapter 3 verse number 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So he speaks about agreement before you begin to walk with someone and relate with the person closely or intimately. The kind of relationships you keep in life will determine a lot in your life. And that is just how it is. A friend of fools will be a fool. A friend of the wise will be a wise man. So we began to look at a number of relationships. We saw friendship. And we said you can be a friend, an intimate friend of everybody. Because friendship with the world is enmity with God. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. We also said to make friendship with an unbeliever is to relate with your enemy. Because the father of the unbeliever is Satan. 
John chapter 8 verse 44. He says to them, you are of your father, the devil, and the loss of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So, friendship with an unbeliever is like light and darkness becoming friends which cannot walk. The scripture tells us, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. In the book of First John, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. Then we looked at the husband and the wife relationships, which is marriage. We began to examine marriage. We looked at the wife. We looked at the husband's responsibilities from the scripture. And we said that the husband is to take care of his wife. He is obliged to do it. He must do it. That's why he is called husband. Because he is to care for his wife. Husband is different from father. So, when you are in the home, you must know that you are husband. And you must know when you are a father. There are two different roles. The role of a husband and the role of a father. Husbands will take care of the wife as he takes care of himself. Husbands will see that he and his wife are one. So, he cares for the wife like he will care for himself. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 Genesis chapter 2 verse number 24 Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother And shall cleave unto his wife And they shall be one flesh So he cares for his wife affectionately Also the husband must respect the wife We took time to look at that in details yesterday He must respect the wife And he must treat his wife with respect and with honor he must treat his wife with respect and with honor look at first peter chapter 3 verse number 7 first peter chapter 3 verse number 7 likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and has been heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered i did some work on that yesterday in the second service so now you are giving prior instruction to the wife in marriage now the word knowledge that is husbands you must you must you must know your wife you must you know deal with them according to knowledge is a greek word that comes from observation that is understand how something works by observation observe how something works or understudy something to be able to understand how it works by observation so in the marriage situation a man must be a student of the wife's lifestyle a student of the wife's lifestyle in a marriage or he must study the life of his wife you study your wife dwell with them according to knowledge not bible knowledge not epignosis natural knowledge you observe your wife enough to be able to understand 
how to relate it effectively and efficiently. But understanding here has to do with observation. Knowledge by observation. You observe her and understand how to relate it out. Let's see what the Bible teaches in marriage relationship. Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 and 19. You can write that for study. Colossians 3 18 and 19. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 to 32. Brother Paul talks about love for the husband. The husband is to love his wife. He talks about care. He talks about providing for the wife. It is the responsibility and the office of a husband to provide for his wife and his children. That is his God-given responsibility. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 4 and 5, it talks about praying together. Husband and wife praying together, including with fasting and prayer. So a husband and wife must have those moments when they spend time to pray and fast and, you know, stand in faith and build up themselves. And that's the wisdom of God. That is, I must love my wife. Love includes affection. It includes respect. It includes I must care for her. It includes I must provide for my wife. And it includes I must pray with her. I must pray with her. I must pray for her. Peter also says the same thing. But Peter emphasizes something I want us to see closely. First Peter again chapter 3 verse 7. First Peter chapter 3 verse number 7. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Giving honor, the word honor is respect. And I tell ladies all over the place, never get into a relationship with a man who doesn't respect you. Ladies, never. Never get into a relationship with a man who doesn't respect you. And I say the same to the brothers. You brother, never get into any relationship with a sister who doesn't respect you. You see, that is key in marriage. Respect. There must be mutual respect. Mutual respect. I know the African culture does not teach you to respect the wife. But that's the African culture. We are dealing with the culture of the new creation. We are dealing with born again believers. We are not talking to unbelievers now. We are not talking to the secular. We are talking to believers. Those who are born of God. Those who are regenerated. Those who are born again. And that is why we are teaching you from the Bible. Which is the, the document of doctrine and instruction for the believer. That's very important so that if you're an unbeliever and you stumble on this teaching, your village rules and regulation may not agree with what we're teaching here. We are not talking about any village in particular. We are dealing with the tribe called the new creation. We are talking to members of the new creation tribe, members of the heavenly Jerusalem. The culture of the new creation respects the wife. A husband respects the wife. 
So the wife too must respect the husband. Amen. Very important. You're going out before marriage. You are relating brother and sister before marriage. And the man is angry. And out of anger destroys television set. Or he gets angry. And out of anger destroys some, you know, something in the house. To express how angry he is. You are still watching him. That is an indication of a future manifestation. That is revelation knowledge. <laughs> that is revelation knowledge. Now, when the Bible talks about weaker vessel, it's not talking about strength. He's talking about someone subservient to the order. And then the Bible talks about heirs of the grace of life. It means you are both born again. You have the same inheritance in Christ. And then he says that your prayers be not hindered. He's not saying if you don't treat your wife with honor, God will not hear your prayers. That's not what he's talking about here. It's because husband and wives ought to pray together. But if there's a lack of agreement between the husband and the wife, they cannot pray together. And Jesus spoke about the prayer of agreement in Matthew chapter 18 verse 19. He says, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask of the father... It shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven. So, that's to the extent to which your prayers can be hindered. That is, your praying together will be stopped. So, as a husband, you must treat your wife as a co-equal with you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. You don't have a greater right than she does before God. Don't deceive yourself. Both of you are equal in Christ Jesus. But in marriage, because of authority and orderliness, the husband is the head. So, as a husband, see yourself as first among equals. First among equals. You are not different. You are just operating in a different office so husband is an office husband husband is an office husband is a function the word husband is a duty husband is an office husband is a function husband is a duty when you say my husband that is what you are saying is this is the man that takes care of me. My husband, the one who has affection for me. My husband, the one who responds to me. My husband, the one who respects me. My husband means the one who defends me. That is what it is. It's not a surname or a nickname. Husband is not a nickname, it's actually a function. Husband is an office. You are actually in an office. What office? You are occupying the office of Jesus in the marriage. Husband means you are occupying the office of Jesus in the marriage. To take care and to treat as equal. You see, the word of God 
must be our wisdom for living. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua told the children of Israel, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we must start to see the word of God as the wisdom of God for us. The word of God is the wisdom of God for us in our practical lives. We should stop having, you know, ceaseless marriage seminars. Marriage seminar here, marriage seminar there. Stop running around from one marriage seminar to the other. That is not going to provide a good marriage. It's a waste of time. The greatest marriage seminar on earth is Bible study. The greatest marriage seminar on the earth is Bible study and willingness to allow yourself align with what you study from the word of God. You cannot give what you don't have. If you don't practice walking in love, marriage is not magic. If you don't practice walking in love, marriage is not magic. You are relating with a guy who doesn't forgive easily. He gossips people. That is the same way he will act in marriage. A man that does not forgive his friends easily and is always gossiping people and running people down in your presence. It's a matter of time when he marries you, he will give you what he has because what he is showing you is exactly what he has. A man cannot give what he doesn't have. You come to marriage with what you already have. Marriage is a contribution between two people. The husband and the wife. A contribution. It's not something mysterious. If you are given to revenge, you will revenge in marriage. If you are given to unforgiveness, you will bring it into marriage. If you are given to maliciousness, you will bring it into marriage. The only difference is that when it enters marriage, it becomes developed. It will operate at a, at a, at a distribution level. That is, when you bring it into marriage, it will be more matured. And it will operate at a professional dimension. Yeah, whatever you cannot stop before you get married will be mass produced when you get married. If you are someone that is given to anger, you will serve it in your home. That's why I tell people, marry a man or woman who respects the word of God. A man or woman who respects the word of God, has honor for the word of God, and treats the word of God as final authority. Marry somebody who feeds on the word of God. No matter how right he is, if the word of God says he's wrong, he is willing instantly to drop his rights and let the word of God be right. That's the kind of person you want to relate with. You see, the man or woman feeding on the word daily respects it, feeds on it, and walks in the world. There's no perfect man or perfect woman. But there's a man and woman growing into perfection. 
There's no perfect man or perfect woman. But there's a man and woman growing into perfection in Christ Jesus. So you must understand that the word of God is wisdom in all our relationships. Now, let's move into the next relationship tonight. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. You know, this scripture is so popular. There's hardly any home where they don't quote it, including unbelievers. Very popular. <laughs> uh, Alright? Even unbelievers who are not born again, they know this scripture. Okay? Look at verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The first commandment with promise. So we have the relationship between parents. And brother Paul lets us know who the parents are in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 20. Colossians chapter 3 verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. This is well pleasing unto the Lord. Now, I have seen people quote Ephesians chapter 6. And then they begin to say, But obey them in the Lord. Supposing my parents are not in the Lord. So that Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2, Brother Paul explained it in Colossians 3.20. Colossians 320 look at the way he explains ephesians 6 1 and 2 children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the lord obey your parents in the lord that is obey your parents in view of the lord jesus christ obey your parents in the lord means Obey your parents in view of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, do it. Your obedience must be in view of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when we obey our parents, whether they are believers or unbelievers or native doctors or pagans, when we obey our parents, we are pleasing the Lord Jesus. We do the obedience in view of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual responsibility of the new creation. There are three scenarios there in these relationships. Number one, there's a scenario of where the parents and the children are believers. Parents, children are believers. They both believe in Jesus. So in that context... They are both brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they are also parents and children. They are also parents and children in the flesh. But they have a duty to honor the Lord in that relationship. That's the first scenario. Second one, we have where the parents are believers and the children are unbelievers. 
the parents are believers and the children are unbelievers this scenario is a bit unpopular but then there's a third scenario that is the naughty one where the parents are non-christians and the children are believers the parents are non-believers but the children are believers so we have three scenarios obey your parents in the lord does not mean obey your pastor obey your parents in the lord is talking about father because verse 2 say honor your father he explains verse 1 in ephesians chapter 6 your parents mean your father and mother not your auntie not your uncle not your aunt your parents your father and mother the bible does not give you such responsibility to love or honor your uncles in the lord we don't have any scripture for that to love and obey and honor your uncles in the lord he said parents the word parents in the greek is actually your biological parents those who gave birth to you your biological parents those who gave birth to you the bible recognizes other parents you know brother paul will call timothy my son in the lord you know some people have a lot of mental agitation it's like they feel like you're taking blood out of their body when they have to call their pastor who feeds them spiritually my father in the lord they 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 they, 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 they throw tantrums they throw tantrums but look at second timothy chapter 2 verse 1 what brother paul will say second timothy chapter 2 verse 1 thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus my son first corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 first corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Alright, so there are other parents that the scripture recognizes. Like people that are responsible for your spiritual development, your pastor. But here the word parent in Ephesians has to do with the natural generation someone who gives birth to you your father your dad or your mom natural biological children also refers to natural children and biological children in that context in ephesians chapter 6 and colossians chapter 3 no matter who eventually takes care of you like maybe you were adopted or somebody raised you up the instruction in the word of god is for your natural parents your biological parents not your stepfather not your stepmother but your natural parents so let's examine something quickly ephesians chapter 6 <clears throat> sometimes you hear people abuse this scripture and they use it to bring intimidation chapter 6 verse 2 now ephesians 6 2 honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise 
How many of you had that scripture many times in your home? <laughs> Parents know it. They don't know John 3.16, but they know this one. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you, that you may live long. They use it to intimidate children. <clears throat> so let's do some exegesis on that. Remember, verse 2 and 3 is not Brother Paul talking. Paul is quoting from an Old Testament scripture. So he's just making reference. He is not saying, honor your father and mother. That's not Paul. Paul just said, which is the first commandment? Paul's, the only thing Paul put there in that verse 2 and 3 is to acknowledge that that is the first commandment with a promise. Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. This is a commandment with a promise. So does it mean my living long on the earth and my prosperity is tied to obeying my parents? Well, Paul never said that. Paul was quoting from the Old Testament. In verse 1, it was directly to the new creation. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Put it up. Let's look at it again. <clears throat> Children, obey your parents in view of the Lord. For this is right. Verse 2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Verse 3. That it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So it was brother Paul letting you see that there's evidence in the Old Testament about honoring and respecting our earthly natural parents. Brother Paul just made reference to make you see that it has a reference in the Old Testament. That it was not just him coining something. That honor has been from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 was where he quoted from. Exodus chapter 20 verse number 12. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's the first commandment with a blessing. Now, people teach this to mean that for God to bless you, you must honor your parents. That's totally against the spirit of the New Testament. Because the spirit of the New Testament tells us that all blessings come to us because of Jesus. All blessings come to us because of Jesus. Now, the same book, brother Paul, is not asking us to obey the commandment of the Old Testament to be blessed. That's not what Paul is teaching. He is not saying obey the commandment of the Old Testament to be blessed. He is only making a reference to the Old Testament. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we are already blessed. Somebody shout, I'm already blessed in Christ Jesus. We don't obey to be blessed in the New Testament. We are blessed to obey. We don't 
obey to be blessed in the new testament we are blessed so we obey one of the blessings of the new testament is the ability to obey your parents ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 please pay attention ephesians 6 2 honor thy father and mother observe which is the first commandment with promise now cross over to ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 to 15 ephesians chapter 2 but now the same ephesians but now in christ jesus you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of christ for he is our peace who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances he has abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments he has abolished the commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace so jesus has abolished the law of commandments so that command in exodus chapter 20 verse 12 is it for us no why jesus has abolished it so brother paul was only making a reference that is why now in colossians 3:20 he he didn't add blessing children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the lord no blessing added this is well pleasing unto the lord he said just honor them obey them that you may please the lord so we don't obey our parents to live long we obey our parents to please god hallelujah it has nothing to do with the blessing you are blessed to obey your parents already because you have the nature of god already you have put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and through holiness so what does that scripture teach us honor thy father and thy mother honor means respect honor means regard or Treat them as important. Treat your parents as important. Every one of us must always regard our parents. Give them respect in the way we speak, in the way we conduct ourselves. You must put your parents in a place where they are treated special. You must put your parents in a place where they are treated special honor your father and mother respect regard it goes into simple things like courtesies respect you can't be in a house with your parents and they are sweeping the house while you are there you can't that's disrespectful don't talk anyhow even if your parents are not educated don't take advantage of their illiteracy and keep collecting money from them 
You go to school, you say, Daddy, they say I should buy a book in school. The book is Job, book one, grab, book two, fee, book three. Job, book one, grab, book two, fee, book three. Geography, three books for the price of one. You collect money for three books because your parents are not educated. That is disrespectful. You must have a culture of courtesy. Never lose respect for your parents. Don't lose your testimony at home because of careless talk. Honor your parents. Even if you are the wealthiest in the world, you are the richest, richer than Elon Musk. When your parents are visiting, make their visit very special. I know some of you have a history of irresponsible parents. You know? I know about irresponsible parents who never brought you up. Even then, honor them. They were not interested in you. They never paid your fees. They never looked after you. Now you've grown to know Christ. Honor them to please Jesus. Honor them because honoring your biological parents gives Jesus honor. It gives Jesus pleasure. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Yeah. Make sure you honor them. Remember when you honor your parents, you honor God. He says obey your parents in the Lord. I have had people who say that obey is absolute. That is, the remote control you. No, it's not absolute. The word children here refers to those who are still under the care and government of their parents. Children refers to those who are under the care and the government of their parents. Children there don't refer to everybody. It's not an absolute term. It's those that are under the care of their parents. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 gives us a distinction. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, different nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Next verse. But he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. The word children here refers to those who are still under the care and government of their parents. Children there doesn't refer to everybody. So now Galatians gives us that distinction. It makes a distinction in maturity. When you are under the care and government of your parents, they house you, they clothe you, they look after you, they pay your school fees, they feed you, that instruction is for those people. The parents have a responsibility to take care of you. And you have a responsibility to respond to their care. To respond to their care. As long as they are still taking care of you, feeding you, clothing you, housing you, you have to follow Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 by the Spirit of God. You have to obey your parents because you are still under their government. It doesn't mean that obedience is absolute. That obedience 
is not absolute. But the Bible says, obey those in authority. But when they ask you to do what is contrary to the word of God, please listen carefully. The obedience is not absolute. When they ask you to do what is contrary to the word of God, it becomes persecution. When parents ask you to do what is contrary to the word of God, at that moment you are under persecution. And brother Peter said, we will obey God rather than men. We will obey God rather than men. That levels of authority. Remember, the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. Levels of authority. So there's a way to respond to these authorities. And we will look at it in the course of this teaching. But in obedience, we must be respectful in disagreeing with authority. When you want to disagree with your parents, you must still be respectful even in disagreement. But as long as your parents are responsible for your upkeep, you must obey them. Now, like I said, this instruction is not for everyone. As for me, I have no obligation to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, 2, and 3. And I have no obligation to Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 because I'm not a child. Okay? I'm not a child. I'm not saying I'm not a child because of my age. I'm not a child because of maturity. There are some people at the age of 40, they are still children. Because their father is still clothing them, feeding them, and taking care of them. They are children. So it's not age. You understand? At 40, he's still a child. And there are some people at 20, and is matured. He's already responsible. He has already left his father's house. He's scattering for his, himself and even sending support to his parents. That's not a child. That's an adult. The man at 40 that his father is still housing, clothing, and feeding is a child. So it's not biological age. It's a question of maturity. Look at Luke chapter 2 verse 40 to 47. Let's look, examine a case here. A case. Talking about Jesus, and the child grew and worked strong in spirit. He grew and worked strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Next verse. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, 12. They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Next verse. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. Next verse. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Next verse. 
And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answer. So there was a case here. Jesus was not found playing Star Wars. He was not found playing Power Rangers. Watching or playing it. He was not found, you know, watching some football match in one football field. He was found in church. Reasoning and studying scriptures with others. Look at verse 48 of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 48. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dost dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Next verse. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Next verse. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Next verse. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So Jesus stopped the Bible study, obeyed his parents, followed them home. Are we following? Now that's something many parents ought to take note of. When your child is devoted, seeking the Lord, never worry. Never be agitated as a parent. When your child is in church all the time, studying the word, praying, fasting, don't let it worry you. At the age of 12, they couldn't understand the devotion and the consecration of Jesus. And he said, I must be about my father's business. But he followed them because they were still responsible for his upkeep. Because he was a child at 12. For you to know he was a child, they were still carrying him to Passover and bringing him back. They were still carrying him to Passover. He couldn't even afford money for bike. He was subject to them because he was a child. Even though they were wrong and he was right. Yet he obeyed them. Yet he showed us an example of obedience to parents. Matthew 12. There's a different scenario here. Much after that, Jesus grew in wisdom. Grew in stature. He was now in ministry. He was now called Jesus the carpenter. He had his own profession and he had his own house. Matthew 12, 46. Pay attention. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. While he had talked with, to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Next verse. Next verse. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? Next verse. And he stretched forth his hands toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. Next verse. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus was in a fellowship meeting. Look at chapter 13 verse 1 of Matthew, the next chapter. Chapter 13 verse 1. The same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. At this time he didn't follow them. 
He didn't follow them. He gave them a different response. Eventually, the Bible tells us, James, his brother, the brother of Jesus, followed Jesus. And the mother was also a disciple of Jesus. She was even there on the day of Pentecost. She followed him speaking in tongues. Why did he respond like that in Matthew chapter 12? Because he wasn't a child anymore. He wasn't under their government or under their care. He, he was not bound to obey them. Look at Mark chapter 10 verse 29 and 30. Mark 10, 29 and 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, man, 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 man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels next verse but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the world to come eternal life it means we have a greater responsibility to obey God and the gospel than the, you know, than our earthly relationships. That's the only basis to prefer any other instruction above our parents as children to obey the gospel. The scriptures must be seen in the light of God's word. So, number one, obedience of parents. Is not at the expense of God's word. That's number one. Obedience to parents is not at the expense of God's word. It must be in line with the word of God. When we obey our parents, it must be in line with the word of God. When the gospel comes in conflict with obedience to our parents, we choose the gospel. We choose Jesus. So that scripture should not be an absolute term. The only reason that scripture will not be followed is for the gospel's sake as a child. We must obey our parents as children. When we are no longer under them as a child, no more under their government, no more under their care, we are to honor them, respect them, but not obey them. When we have grown outside their care and government, we honor them, we respect them, but not obey them. When we are under their care and government, we obey them, honor them, and respect them. Are we getting the difference? Yes. Now, the golden rule in every relationship in life is that the word of God must come first. The word of God must come first. This also refers to women that are married to unbelievers. Both as unbelievers, then the wife got born again. You must honor your husband, respect him, but never to disobey the will and the purpose of God. A woman that is married to an unbelieving husband. You respect your husband. You honor him. You take care of him. Do everything that you owe him as a wife. But never, never disobey the word of God for your husband. The word of God comes first. Some Christian brethren living with their parents, 
they think their parents are an obstacle. Their parents are demons. My parents are an obstacle. But you know, some children, some Christian children are rude. Very rude. They lack respect. And some children are very lazy. Very lazy. They don't care what happens in the home. Parents are walking, sweeping, cleaning, mopping the house. The child is sleeping in the room, speaking in tongues. After the parents have cleaned everywhere and cooked, he comes out to say, where is my food? That's an irresponsible child. That's a very disrespectful, irresponsible, and that child is not honoring Jesus. And when you question, he ties everything to the gospel. My parents don't understand I have the call of God upon my life. My parents don't understand that this anointing is burning very hard. I sense God's power, man. I would have helped in sweeping, but when I was just about to go out, the unction came. I was receiving a revelation. I was in a vision. Stop that vision. Go and finish your homework. Then come and say, vision, continue. <laughs> Are we together here? That's a bad attitude. A Christian must be found responsible. I grew up as a believer in my parents' house. And I did my house chores. I was involved. I was not a bad example in my parents' home. I was respectful. I was meek. I was dedicated to Christ. I would finish all my housework and go to the church for fasting. We were fasting almost every other day. But we did all our homework first. Took care of the house. Make sure everything was fine. Then told our parents, we're going for prayer meeting. We'll go and pray. Spend the whole day praying. Sometimes my father will come in and say, is it not too much? You people are here every day fasting and praying. It's too much. Take it easy. It is not only you people that are giving the mandate of world evangelism. Take it easy. <laughs> my father will come and be concerned. I'll tell him, okay, daddy, we have heard. Don't worry. We will soon be through. We will take another two, three hours. Then we'll come back smiling and feeling very good. Because we have spent enough time in prayer. But even then, it was respectful. We were not rude. You know, you, you, must, you, must, you must be dedicated to living exemplary with your parents or with people that are taking care of you. Don't be lazy. Some people are just lazy, even in church. See young people, respons irresponsible sometimes. Young people. Look at First Peter chapter 4 verse 15. Mm -mm. First Peter chapter 4 verse 15. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 4 verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. As a busybody in other men's matters. Did you see that? If you suffer like that, it's not for the gospel. As an evildoer. It's not for the gospel. Look at verse 16. First Peter chapter 4 verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian. Let him not be ashamed. But let him glory, glorify God. On this behalf. On this behalf. So some folks suffer. They suffer because of bad character. Character issues. Rude. Stubborn. You know. Irresponsible. You're not responsive. That's not the kind of suffering that is for the gospel. 
And some people are just wasteful. Wasteful. You're a student in school. You're busy preaching all over the place. Nobody says you shouldn't preach, but remember you're in school. Then you fail exams. You keep failing exams. That's not a glory to Jesus. You should pass your exams and extra time you evangelize. Extra time you go to fellowship. But make sure you achieve the objective while you are in that school. Failing exam in the name of preaching is being irresponsible. It doesn't give glory to Jesus. I went to school myself. I wrote my exams. I passed my exams. And I was preaching. I was fellowship president. But I passed my exams. I wrote my exams. And I was preaching. Sometimes I even traveled from school to preach in other schools. But I was still a good student. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 2 tells us that one of the threats of the last day is, uh, is that children will be disobedient to parents. First Timothy 3 verse 2. Put it up for me. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. One of the threats of the last days disobedience to parents if you are here today and you are not in talking terms with your parents if you are hearing the sound of my voice or watching me at home or watching online or listening to me on radio or whatever platform and you are not talking with your parents you are keeping malice with your parents you are not in the will of God you are not in the will of God you don't have to obey your parents to respect them you don't have to live with your parents to honor them and respect them. As a child of God, you must obey your parents when living under their government. And when you become an adult, you are no more living with them. You respect them and honor them. Very important. When you do that, you are pleasing Jesus. Whether they are Christians or not. Even if they tell you that your parents are witches and wizards, respect them and honor them. If they were that, if they were that, if they were that bad as witches and wizards, your mother should have eaten you in her womb and not given birth to you. If they were that bad, don't let anybody bewitch you and set you at variance against your parents. You're not honoring Jesus. Even if they say they are bad people, respect them. Honor them. Because it gives Jesus glory. Am I teaching good? If I'm teaching good, say I hear you. Especially when they are not bad. They care for you. They look after you. They provide for you. They counsel you. They instruct you. They mean well for you. They go out of their way to give you the best. I remember how my father sacrificed everything he had to make sure I went to the best schools. To make sure I went to the right schools. To make sure that I didn't lack anything. Whatever my friends had, my parents make sure I had it. Even if they had to borrow to give it to me. How can I grow now and disrespect such parents? So again, remember, the word child does not refer to age. It refers to maturity and responsibility. Can somebody shout hallelujah? That's what Genesis 2.24 says. A man shall forsake. A man shall forsake father and mother and shall cleave 
it shows you that when you are married, you are not under any obligation whatsoever to your parents. When you are married, you are no more a child. So your parents won't be able to be controlling you around. And parents, please listen carefully. You can't just order your son and his wife around. That authority ceased the day they left you to get married. If my parents order me around, I can go as a mark of respect. But I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. Hey, come. You and your wife come today. What? You can't order me like that. I respect you. I honor you. But I'm now, I'm now an established family. And we have our plans. You can't just be moving us around. We are not irresponsible. You've got to negotiate with us. You've got to ask us, when are you people able to see me? Then we look within our schedule and see when it is possible. Don't just order people around, especially when they are no more under your roof. Am I teaching good here? Very important. You know, you've got to leave father and mother and cleave to your wife. And they too shall be one flesh. So, to get into marriage, you must be a matured person. Matured person. Don't marry a child. Ladies, Ladies, don't marry a child. Who is a child? Someone who is not yet responsible for himself. You will even hear it from his speech. Mommy said we should. <laughs> mommy said we should. <laughs> when you hear a boy talking like that. Mommy said, mommy said, know that you're talking to a child. One of the threats of a man... <laughs> who can marry is that he's responsible to stay independent of his parents he stays independent of his parents he makes decisions he makes choices and he takes responsibility for his choices and his decisions i'm teaching good tonight i'm rounding up tomorrow we're going to look at fathers today we've looked at children tomorrow we look at parents so get a job if you want to get married Get a job, get well settled. As children of God, we have responsibility to our parents. To obey them as children. When we grow old and when we grow matured, we honor them and respect them. So two different things. Number one, when we're under their roof and they take care of us, we obey them in all things. Except if they, what they're asking us to do contradicts the word of God. Then, secondly, when we leave their home, now we're independent and matured. We respect them, we honor them, not obey. Is that clear? We respect them, we honor them. And of course, how do you respect parents and honor parents? You respect them in all ways. You buy gifts for them. You know, um, you visit with them from time to time. You check on them, check on their welfare. Give them a call. How are you doing? Is everything okay? I just called to greet sir. I just called to greet mommy. You know, we are doing good. All of those are marks of respect. Marks of respect. Not that you shut down. You make sure your parents don't have your phone number because you told you every time they call you, witches can trace you. No, that's disrespectful. That's not right. That's a stupid religion. That's stupidity of the highest order. You honor them. You respect them. You can never go wrong doing the word of God. You can never go wrong 
doing the word of God. If it's clear, can I have a powerful amen? Stand on your feet, that's what I've got for you in the service tonight. Glory to God. Amen. So parents, parents, get ready. Tomorrow we're going to examine. And it's good for the children to also be in the service tomorrow so that they can also hear what we're going to say to parents. And those of you that will be parents and those of you that are parents, you know, it's, it's still part of the family series as we keep learning and growing in the grace of Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we rejoice tonight and we thank you for the privilege of teaching and learning and growing and being established in the truths of the gospel. I pray for every child and I pray for every parent tonight. I decree that the word of God comes with clarity and instructions comes with clarity. Your people are built up, edified. Your people are, are grounded and rooted, established in the truth that is in Christ Jesus. And tonight I pray that anywhere there is misunderstanding between parents and children, let there be healing and restoration. Healing and restoration in the name of Jesus. Satan, get your hands off in the name of Jesus. And we rejoice that your word comes with such clarity. And we decree that our relationships with our parents are nourished by the knowledge of your word. Thank you for the blessing tonight. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Praise God. I'll be joining Mr. Michael Bush in the next one or two minutes. But listen carefully. The whole of this week after every teaching we have asked the counselor who will open the phone lines, respond to your emails, respond to your calls. And if you have questions from all I have taught so far on relationship, marriage and all the things I'm teaching on children and parents, you can shoot your emails to askthecounselor at gmail.com and we will answer. And if you don't have the chance to send the mail, you call the numbers. Mr. Michael Bush will read the, the, the phone numbers for you to call in, and it's going to be an exciting time as we keep bringing clarity to you doctrinally from the word of God. I'd like you to grab your offerings. Let's give in honor of God's word. Every time we teach you the word of God, we give you an opportunity to honor the word. Through your givings, we are able to make the word of God available. Through your givings, we're able to get the word of God to every man's world on television, on various radio stations, and, and through social media. Through your giving, we're able to do all of this around the world. And I'm excited tonight that, you know, we have yet another opportunity to make the word of God available. I'd like you to lift up your offering. Those of you watching on TV and online, the banking details are scrolling. And radio audience, Mr. Michael Bush, read the banking details for you before we begin to respond to calls and emails. I'd like you to lift up your offerings tonight as we pray. Father, we give in faith, we give with joy, and we thank you for the privilege of making a difference in the gospel through our finances. And as we give tonight, we rejoice that our offerings are a sweet smell before you. The blessing is upon your people and your word is building us up, making us better every day. And that's why I ask that tonight everyone giving, their needs are met supernaturally according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for the blessing over your people tonight. We give you praise and glory for answered prayer in Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Hey guys, listen, I'm going to be joining Mr. Michael Bush. You don't want to go away. Radio audience, call some more people to join. You know, television, social media, get more people to hook up. It's going to be an exciting time as we spend the next few minutes looking into all the issues you have raised. And remember, tomorrow I'm back teaching the word of God at 6 p.m. GMT plus one. And we'll just be open the whole of this week, bringing you clarity from God's word. Looking forward to connecting with you in the other studio. And until I see you then, enjoy the grace of Christ. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service tonight. Glory! Amen! Woo! Glory to God! You have been blessed by this message. For these 
all the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damina. Please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. Jakota Naga. Brenda Gozokule Nemehe. Jajoko Tonike Lina Maha. Angra Nonzokula Namaha. Dedrene Gegele Nemosa. Say of the Spirit of God, there has never been a scarcity of my power. All the power that you will ever need, I made available to you at the point of your birth. You were born with all of my power. You were not born deficient. You were born complete. Everything that constitutes me was packaged together to give birth to you, saith God. But you will have to place a demand on the resources that are available to you by regeneration. And you place that demand intentionally so you make that power available in the natural. So you see, saith God, when you do not give yourself intentionally to take off and take from my power, then you live the life of defeat. You live a life that is full of apologies. You live a life that attracts sympathy and sorrow. Then you live under undue pressures. Says God, I never designed for you to live a life of pressure. I designed for you to live a life of rest. But you cannot function in rest from the natural. You only function in rest from the spiritual. From the spiritual. From the spiritual. That's why in my word I said to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded when your mind is full of the spiritual possibilities that are available to you you function from a place of rest and no devil in hell has what it takes to discomfort your position because you exercise superiority over devils you function in your full capacity, saith God. You function in your full abilities. And all of those abilities are abilities that the devil and his cohorts cannot withstand. Because the light and darkness, saith God, has never had a competition. Oh yeah, I said in my word that the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend the light. The light dominates darkness. Darkness and the light never fight. The exit of light is the dominance of darkness. And the entrance of light is the absence of darkness. So...
many thanks for joining us, and it's so beautiful to come back live to you. It's Ask the Counselor now, and we're super excited to come back. Okay, so we take the account details, especially for the radio audience. The account name remains Power City International. There are three banks. FCMB is 2982-68-2028. That's for FCMB. Power City International is the account name. So to for Zenith. The account number is 10-12-36-59-12. Power City International Steel. And finally, for UBA, it's 139-26-465. 139-26-465. Five, Power City International Steel, the account name. I think in the next five, ten minutes, we'll make way for calls on this edition of the program. You need to join us if you are calling from outside the country. Remember, plus two, three, four. Otherwise, it's 0806 800 9939. 0806 If you are calling from inside the country, otherwise, it's plus two, three, four before 8086. 0806, right. You can also send us an email or two. Just shoot that to askthecounselornow at gmail.com and an SMS or two to plus two, three, four. Again, if you're doing from outside the country, otherwise it's 2703 691 sponsorship. We, we never shall tire of saying this. You could support this program. You could make it reach um, other pl places, you know, reach the nooks and crannies of this world. So, for sponsorship, call plus two three four if you are doing from outside the country. Otherwise, it's 803 275 You fire an email or two to Abel, Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Okay, so that's the size of my announcements. My name is Michael Bush. Super excited to return as your host on the show. My producer is uh, Pastor I.J. Query, complete with his production team. And, of course, the rest of the people who are helping us and put things in place. And now, the moment you've been waiting for, the sixth man, teacher like none other, evangelist like none other, is on radio, is on television, round the clock, is online, round the clock. Help me welcome Global Barber, Dr. Abel Davina. The Intercontinental Mr. Bush. You look Global good, Barber. man. Global Barber. Today, it looks Global like Barber. we planned this thing in the spirit. Global Barber, we should not go there. We should, go there. <laughs> <laughs> we should just go there. Okay. Global, have you seen your... But I'm so happy to see you. Global, I'm happier. Hope so you had a good time. Fantastic time in Abuja. I think Mrs. Bush. Mrs. Bush is doing great. You know, she had a beautiful good. birthday the other day. Wow, yes. And thank you for you all know. the prayers. Yes. Okay, yes. so global, as we always do, let's set the stage with quick prayer for our world, for our country, and why not, for our state. Let's pray together. Father, we receive answers to prayer right now by faith and we rejoice that our nation is walking the right path supernaturally. You are intervening in situations around this nation that will create an enabling environment for the gospel to thrive and for the lives of people be made better. We also pray for Kwaibom State. Thank you for the governor. Thank you for his cabinet. Thank you that this society is enjoying your goodness, your peace. Thank you that this society is also experiencing your word. People are coming to the knowledge of the truth. The word of God is growing mightily. Men and women are coming to the realization of all that Christ has done. And we thank you that barriers are broken and we rejoice that all our public, civil servants, business people, they're enjoying the grace and the goodness of Jesus. Thank you for the blessing and thank you for your peace. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, global bar we set to go so in the next um, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes max. Uh, we'll be going uh, for phone calls. So until then, let's start. Global bar, by the way, it's a freestyle edition. I'll just be taking the messages as I see them. This one. Global Baba, please shoot an email to me in reply. My name is Charles. One Sunday morning, Global Baba, our pastor was angry because the church was scanty and no visitor or new, new member came to church. He declared emphatically, Global Baba, that no evangelism, no heaven. Is this true? Thank you. <laughs> when, when people look for how to use scriptures to manipulate people, it's very ungodly. Is unrighteous, is unjust. There's no scripture that sets the requirement for salvation on evangelism. You are saved purely because you believe in the sacrificial work of Christ. John 3, 16, 17, 18 tells us that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Evangelism is what we do after we are born again. And we do that in honor of Jesus we do that as responsible children of God who have understood that our Father's business of saving souls is left in our hands. We embark on it responsibly to advance the kingdom of God. Okay, Global Baso, we continue our freestyle edition with this one. Dear Dr. Abel Damina, I write from Akwaibum State, Nigeria. I'm born again, Global Baba, by the grace of God. I do not like to miss your teachings on radio. In fact, I tune station after station just to listen to you accept most of your teachings and bible explanations for instance my spirit had long ministered to me before i started listening to you that god does not kill doctor it is my belief that angels and people in heaven do not wear shoes because heaven and they are sin free hence no thorns no stones no wildfire to harm their feet i believe that they are dressed in their gowns they do not go naked i also know that they wear golden that is shiny crowns and they all shine because their sinlessness and original form have been restored to them. Doctor, do people, that is land angels in heaven, wear earrings and all similar makeups? If yes, Christians on earth who use them should continue. If no, earrings and similar adornments and makeups are not necessary for Christians here on earth. No Baba. Well, the, the, that brother is, is, you know, bringing things that are really not essential. There are things we call non-essentials. Wearing of clothes, wearing of shoes, wearing of earrings. You know, all those are non-essentials because they don't determine whether you get to heaven or not. And they don't determine whether you get rewarded by Jesus or not. They don't even define whether you are a Christian or not. Those are non-essentials. It's like saying you want to wear white cloth or blue cloth or brown cloth. They are non-essentials. It's like saying you ate eba, I ate rice. You ate gari, I ate semo. All that doesn't affect salvation. So that's what shoes and clothes and all of that. And those details are not in scripture. And we're allowed where the scriptures are allowed. We're silent where the scriptures are silent as to how angels are dressed. We don't have details of that in scripture. So put on clothes, put on dress well, dress for beauty and honor. Be comfortable with your dressing. But for, don't forget that the aim of dressing is to cover your nakedness and glorify Jesus. Fantastic. Okay, so we still continue our freestyle edition. This one, Hello Global Baba and the Intercontinental Michael Bush. Thank you for all you do for the kingdom. Global Baba, you've truly created tremendous impact on my life. My question, I actually understand the reason and essence we give 
But please, I want to understand the scriptures in Mark 4.24, using the message translation. Our Lord Jesus said that giving is the way, and in verse 25 says that generosity begats generosity. Promise Sunday. Lubaba, what does that mean? Well, promise Sunday. Don't just read verse 24. Begin from the beginning to the end. You will see the context. He was not talking about giving as a prerequisite for receiving, but rather generosity as commended by Jesus. Generosity is what God wants. And when you are generous, generosity is not giving to get. Generosity is giving. You just give because you give, because you want to meet a need, because you want to be a blessing. That's what it's all about. Okay, so Global Baba, this one comes from Alexander Ope. says, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was privileged to come across uh, Global Baba's messages in the last 30 days of glory, 10 to 60 days of glory, and on two occasions, I heard him say, the devil is a bastard, God punished the devil. Based on the above, I want Global Baba to give clarification on Jude 5, 10, with particular clarification on verse 9. I like the teachings of Global Baba. They really, really give me so much insight into the scriptures. Thank you. Jude verse 9, where it says, The angels do not bring a railing accusation against the devil. Put it up so we can read it and then I can answer him. Jude verse 9, yet My Michael, read for us intercontinental. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Well, that's Michael. You are higher than Michael. Michael is just an angel. Angels are servants. You are not a servant. You are a son of God. Angels are created to serve you. So you have a right to call them bastards. And especially evil spirits. They are bastards because who is a bastard? Who does he have a father? Who is their father? Even the devil who is his father. All of them are bastards because they rebelled against the authority of God and fell from, you know, where they're supposed to be. So they are bastards. And God punishing them, it's not just a statement, it is a reality because their punishment has been determined. Hell is created for Satan and his angels, which is their punishment. So it's in order. And as a child of God, you have authority over them. You can commandeer them around and they will obey you. The first edition of Ask the Counselor heads to Next Door Cross River State. Since my name is Godwin Udor, my location is Calabar in Cross River State. Thank you, Global Baba, for being such a massive blessing to us. Thank you, Intercontinental Mr. Michael Bush, for allowing God to use you to serve us. My question, Global Baba, in the new creation church, if God does not reckon with our faults and failures, why is it that when members who walk us in or are found faulty, they are suspended, given a seat at the back of the church and handed over to certain as Apostle Paul Dido said in the Bible? Well, again, it depends on who sinned, because the people that were dis they are being disciplined in churches are people that are matured, people that are supposed to be exemplary who act below the example they are supposed to demonstrate. Maybe leaders in the church, pastors in the church, church workers, who act very, very ungodly and shows very, very bad example. So the church disciplines them as a sign of telling every member of the church that we're not in support of that behavior. We do not, you know, uh, condone such attitude. And as an, a matured believer and as a worker and a leader in the church, you're supposed to be exemplary. So the discipline is actually because we love them. And secondly, as a punitive measure so that others can learn not to behave like that. That's what it is. Presently, it would be half past the hour in Uyo, Nigeria, the point of this uh, live presentation. And it's a Power City International 
program. It's for the whole world. I mean, it, and this is called Ask the Council of Featuring, of course, Lobo Baba, Dr. Ebel Damina, and my humble self, Michael Bush. So, producer, we can start looking at phone calls. Let's just create space for others around the world to join us. But while waiting, greetings, Lobo Baba. Please, I realized from discussions that fivefold ministry is the main reason several pastors have substituted Jesus with irrelevant things. Someone said, why did Jesus establish fivefold ministry if he wanted everyone to have access to God? It sounded strange and funny, Global Baba, to me. Please, Daddy, I would love you to do a teaching on the fivefold ministry because I'm not clear at all. Elvis, Abbey. Elvis, your question came very, very much on time. I just did a book. It's called Every Man a Minister. Every Man a Minister. The book went to press today. The book will be ready by the end of this week. Let me quickly just call your attention to something. Did you observe when you read the Bible, you will not see anything about fivefold ministry anywhere in the Bible until you come to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And only one verse, verse 11, uh, verse 11, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's the only place you see a mention of that. After that, you won't find it elsewhere. Yet the church has built a whole humongous empire on that. So that book deals with all of that. It explains how all of that comes into play and opens up what it should be, what it shouldn't be. It's a book you don't want to, you don't want to spend one day when it comes out of the press without laying your hands on. So I'll encourage you to hold on. Once the book is out within the week, we will announce it and you can order for a copy and read through it. Every child of God ought to have a copy of that book. The book is titled, Every Man a Minister. Okay, so we're heading to Kano in the northern part of Nigeria next, and this one, hello. I am Gabriel Globobaba, I'm based in Kano. Since I began listening to God's word through you, my life has changed. As per the knowledge I got through your messages. This is a particular girl, Globobaba, that loves me so much, and I love her too, but she is Catholic. She says she can't quit Catholic completely now because she grew up there and her family also worships there. But that um, she used to follow me to my current church whenever she's around, and that after our wedding, she will completely quit Catholic and follow me. No, Baba, please advise me. We both love each other, but I'm worried if she will eventually quit our Catholic beliefs and stop her rosary prayers after we get married. Advise me, please, sir. Well, if that's a huge issue for you, then don't take the step of getting married until you resolve the matter completely, because that is enough to break the marriage. So make sure if she... If she it's not just about the label of the church, Catholic church, non-Catholic church, or whatever. It's about her devotion to Christ, her devotion to the word of God, and her respect for the word of God. If she's dedicated to following the teaching of God's word, and she's growing spiritually in the first place, she will not be that dogmatic. She will not be that, she will not be that too, you know, she will not insist on that. Because when she begins to grow in the word of God and grow in the knowledge of Christ, it brings flexibility because then she's ready to unlearn so she can relearn. So you need to take care of it first before you go further. And if it is not working, look for another sister who has already submitted herself to the teaching of God's word and is open and flexible to growth because you don't want to marry somebody that will become an issue after you get married. From Kano in Nigeria to nowhere, because this one comes from somebody who neither tells us where he's writing from, nor the uh, name. Please, Global Baba, if Adam and Eve never ate any fruit, because Genesis is full of metaphors, how did the incident happen? I need more light. 
Well, the teaching on eating of fruits and not eating of fruits has to come with revelation knowledge. So the first thing you want to ask yourself is, if it is fruit that Adam and Eve ate, when they went to the toilet, what happened to the fruit? It means they pushed it out when they went to the toilet. That means there will be no more sin. But so, it is not eating that makes a man a sinner. Jesus clearly explained it is not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man. So again, Jesus took time to explain that concept. Remember, when Moses was writing the book of Genesis, he was not there when Genesis happened. Moses was born in Exodus chapter 2 verse 2. So obviously, for him to write whatever he wrote about Genesis must have been in a vision. So again, like I said, uh, you need to get a full teaching on it. I did a full series on that. Um, I, I think if you get my teaching on uh, higher life, redeemed to reign is a book, or you get a full series on uh, in Christ realities, or you get the Soteria season, season 7, all of that was dealt with. It will help you a lot. Okay, so Global Baba still from nowhere, right? Gospel Kells Roman. Greetings, Global Baba. In one of the recent trainings, you mentioned that there is nothing like the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My question is in Matthew 28:19. Can you explain, please, sir? Thank you. In English language, can you call three names a name? Three names can be named. It will be names. And what you're praying is in the name of. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, making it three names. We have only one name. God has given his Son a name, not names that is above every name. So again, you, you don't have a corroboration for that Matthew chapter 28. No corroboration anywhere. The only name that the New Testament recognizes is the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us there is no name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved except the name of Jesus. So all through the New Testament, what we have is a name. And that name is the office of Jesus, which is above all other offices in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Okay, so another anonymous entry. Quickly, quickly. Hello, Global Baba. Please, I've been having terrible dreams. For instance, last night, I saw myself fighting with, he calls a particular tribe in Nigeria. We're not going to do that. And... He continues, it's been happening for a very long time. The truth is, I always defeat them, but I'm worried. It seems I have um, lock issues. At times, I will see money coming my way, but at the end, nothing in my hand. Well, those dreams don't seem like they have any direction. So just trash them. Take the word of God and stay with the word of God. That's, that will help you more. Because um, at the end of the day, what those dreams may end up doing, if you find yourself fighting with a particular tribe, is to create enmity in your heart against that tribe. And bring hatred and you don't need that as a child of god you have the love of god in your heart so trash those dreams stay with the truth of god's word renew your mind with the word of god and grow in the knowledge of god's word we continue with a freestyle edition of ask the counselor a power city international program broadcasting live from uyo yes uyo in the deep south of nigeria that's on the west coast of africa so we continue now Yes, sir, another anonymous one, Global Baba. Firstly, I want to thank God for the grace of God upon you and also for the gift of the Holy Spirit to have received sound doctrine with power. I've been blessed greatly listening to your teachings, Global Baba, and now understand the nature of Christ. I'm now a born-again Christian. I'm free from the bondage of sin. Please, I need your counsel concerning marriage, Global Baba, and how to discern who to marry. Many thanks, sir. Well, bless you. I will advise you to follow the ongoing series on relationships. 
because we're going to deal with the choice of life partner and all of that. So follow the teaching. Towards the end of the teaching, you will come to a place of clarity as to who to get married to. Baba, I greet you and you too, Mr. Bush. Can you please, Baba, explain Acts 12, verses 6 to 9. Can you also pray for me and my family, especially my son who's in prison? Thank you. God bless you. Acts 12, 6 to 9. Acts 12, 6 to 9. Put it up for us. The Intercontinental, if you can read it. Yes, and when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. That was a divine intervention. Peter was in prison for persecution. The church prayed, and the angel of the Lord went in and freed Peter. That's what it is simply. And for you and your child, we're going to pray for you at, at the, the end, end of, of the, the broadcast, program. so stay with us. Bless you. Our first caller, Global Baba, is on the air now. Hello. Hello. Many thanks for joining us. You know where you're calling from. Hello. Yeah, who can hear you? Yeah, just go ahead. Sorry? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Hello, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay. My, my question is that when Jesus said, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass over me. Uh, by by the teachings I've been following, is it that there are people? Is it that it is the will of God for? I mean, the uh, God the God will implies uh, going through some some difficulty based on Jesus. I just want to understand that particular part when He said, "If it is Your will, let this cup pass over me." What's can, the name? Where are you calling from? We as believers pray. Uh, such kind of prayer and what is and what is and what does that mean to us as believers when we if we say uh let this cup pass is there, is there any cup of future for a believer that means released by god what's your name where are you calling from did we get that okay oh, it's gone yeah. all right well remember jesus came for one purpose the purpose was to die and he came as a man, which means he has a will. So in that prayer was Jesus revealing to you that he didn't die by force. He died by choice. That's, what, that's the whole point about that prayer. And when he took the cup, that cup represented the cup that all of us will have taken, which is the cup of suffering. Jesus took it, we don't have to take it. So God's will is not for you to suffer. But sometimes in obeying God and carrying out God's purpose for your life, there may be rough parts within that journey because you could be persecuted or, you know, people may oppose you or things may not work out the way you expect them to work out. So that's where patience comes, perseverance comes, and that's where standing in faith and declaring the word of God 
until the purpose of God comes to pass, comes in. Okay, Global Bar, let's continue our uh, trip around the world. This one doesn't tell us where he writes from, but we'll take it. It says, hello, Global Baba and the Intercontinental Mr. Bush. I'm a member of Cherubim and Seraphim Church. I know I have been called to teach and preach the finished works of Christ and to enlighten members of the fold while still in the fold, Global Baba. With this in mind, I'm really interested in being a member of your mentorship academy of the ministry thanks in anticipation oh we'll be glad to admit you into the mentoring academy so our mentoring team will get back to you and you know send forms to you so you can feel and join the mentoring academy we'll really love to equip you so you can shine the light in that community where you belong bless you okay so global by mentoring academy yes Zero mentorship academy mentoring academy mentoring yeah. academy okay yeah. okay caller number two hello Yeah, many thanks for joining us. Anywhere you're calling from? Are you there? Okay. Okay, so Global Barber still have so, so many. Let me see. Hello, Global Barber and Mr. Bush. Thank you. To both of you and the entire PCI team for your selfless service of grace to the body of Christ. Please, Daddy, I read a post that a minister wrote. It was in defense of ministers who have experienced failed marriages he said marriage wasn't the yardstick for true calling i completely agree with him having learned much all this while however he said that even paul the greatest of all paul had a failed marriage this did not settle well with me global baba because that was the first time i had heard that i couldn't comment but was hoping to ask you if paul was ever married and if he had a failed marriage thank you we don't have such details in scripture, so we're quiet where scriptures are quiet and we're loud where scriptures are loud. And it's uncharitable for anybody to start creating stories to support um, his lack of being exemplary, especially where marriage is concerned for leaders in the body of Christ. Okay, so let's continue. And it's still the freestyle edition. We're just uh, moving around and uh, taking them where we see them. Hello, Dr. Abel Damina. Greetings. Ever since I started following your daily devotion on the Christocentric meal and listening to your teaching, I have been edified greatly and seen mighty growth in the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of God is growing big on my inside, and I give God the praise. Thanks to you and, of course, also to your family. However, I have got a question. What's the doctrinal stand on homosexuality? Are feelings of same-sex attraction unnatural? Would God honor same-sex relationship and marriage? Finally... What should a child of God do when they realize they have feelings for the opposite sex? But, okay, not for the op or they have no feelings for the opposite sex, but for people of own sex. I'll be really happy if this question is addressed. It has been on my mind for so long. Carl Brooks doesn't tell us where he's writing from. Well, Carl Brooks, let me quickly explain. Number one, homosexuality is a sin. It's a sin just like stealing, just like lying, just like any other sin. Homosexuality is a sin. And um, the Bible teaches that very clearly in black and white. So what, what happens to somebody who is given to homosexuality? Uh, he is suffering from identity crisis. It means he is confused. He doesn't know whether he's a man or a woman. He doesn't, he's, he's, he's confused. So what do you do for such people? You expose them to the teaching of the truth of Christ. When they begin to see Jesus and begin to grow in the knowledge of Christ, 
their own identities released to them and when they realize who they are it begins to affect their feelings that's the way it works so we all with open face beholding the glory of the lord as in a mirror we are changed into that same image from glory to glory so if there's anybody who is, who is given to homosexuality it's a sin god loves you but does not love the act so what do you do get out of it get saved repent of it and begin to walk in your true identity in christ jesus have an interesting entry next first though this caller hello yes ma'am hello hello yeah i thought i heard the ladies voice in this yeah, you your prophetic is sharp <laughs> yes go ahead hello are you there okay so we we come back to that in a moment let me just take this very interesting entry global barber hello global barber and the continental mr bush i want to thank god so much for you global barber and the christocentric meal on youtube every day i have been following your teachings and my eyes are opened and i'm seeing who i am in christ more clearly my question global barber does a man have his own spirit apart from the holy spirit in kenya there has been a teaching that man is a spirit that lives in a soul and is housed by the body and that once man is born again it is only his spirit that is born again not his soul nor his body is this right global barber does this mean that a christian has two spirits dwelling in him that's the holy spirit and his own spirit this teaching suggests that since god is a spirit and man was created in god's image then man is a spirit too is this true that's one in romans 8 16 it says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If man does not have his own spirit, then what does this verse mean? Thank you so much for the great work you're doing in the body of Christ, Global Barber. The gospel is unveiled unto all through your ministry. You are a blessing to many. Looking forward to your response. Elijah Kyoko in should be Kenya. Well, Elijah, bless you. Thank you for asking. I have a book called Understanding the Spirit, Soul, and Body. That book will be very useful for you people in Kenya. But let me quickly mention, you can't have two spirits, otherwise you're a monster. You can't have two spirits. You have a human spirit. The day you got born again, the spirit of God came into your human spirit and reactivated and gave birth to a brand new person. And from that day, your spirit and the spirit of God became one spirit. So you have one spirit on your inside. And that spirit is the spirit of God that has made you one with him. Now man is not spirit man is not a spirit having a soul living in a body man is spirit soul and body it's a combination of the spirit the soul and the body that is called man all right then finally the day you got born again your spirit was born again your soul is saved your body is saved it is because your soul is saved that it can be renewed by the word of god and it's because your body is saved that it will be redeemed at the rapture so jesus died spirit soul and body to save you spirit soul and body however you are born again at the point of being born again your spirit is is renewed your spirit is new your soul still requires a renewing which comes by the teaching of god's word so that your soul and your spirit can align your body is saved but it is still mortal so the day it puts on immortality will be the complete redemption of mankind in salvation bless you the comeback edition of freestyle edition so to speak of uh, ask the counselor will be rounded off in 10 minutes so make sure you're still in a call or two this next one hello 
Hello, your name, where you're calling from? Hello. Are you there? We don't have time. Looks like we're... Okay. Okay. All right. Welcome to the program. Your name, where you're calling from? Uh, my name is Paul Ate from Makudi Campus of Power City International. Bless you, Pastor Paul. Bless you. Yes. My, first, I, I want to appreciate uh, Papa. Good evening, Papa. Bless you, Pastor Paul. Uh, Bless you. Yes. I, I, I just want to, you spoke uh, this evening, uh, you quoted Matthew 19, verse 29. I, I just want some further clarification and uh, exegesis on that verse. Matthew 19, 29. Matthew 19, 29. Put it up. Let me see. Did I talk? Did I quote Matthew nineteen twenty nine? Read for us, Pastor. And everyone that had forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, yeah. or father, or mother, or wife, or yeah. children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Okay, Jesus was speaking to missionaries in that verse. Missionaries, people who, because of mission work, have to leave their houses, leave their families, sometimes leave their parents, leave everybody. To go on a missionary walk. And he's talking about those missionaries. That when they go. In the place where they go for missions. They will have brothers and sisters. Mother, father. Some of them if they have to live there. They will have lands and houses. So Jesus was talking about missionary walk. And where I brought it into the teaching of today. Is that that relationship that brings you into the preaching of the gospel. Is superior to earthly relationships. It's superior. That's why Jesus said. Because of the preaching of the gospel, sometimes you will have to forsake father, mother, brother, sister, even wife, and lands and houses. It's not talking about forsake like divorce. It's talking about sacrificing the comfort of being with them to go for missionary work or evangelism. Another caller. Hello. Hello, sir. Many thanks for joining us. You know where you're calling from? Yes. Yes. My name is Benjamin. I'm calling from Warren. Uh, good evening, uh, Mr. Michael Bush. Many thanks, Benjamin. Uh, good evening, Papa. Bless you, Benjamin. Nice to hear from well, you. Well, sir, I, need, I just needed your clarification on, on one thing, so that I don't take too much of your time, although I have many more questions. But this concept of open heaven, I, I don't know where it comes from, because I read my Bible, and going by the teachings which we have, we have got from you, I don't see anywhere where the heaven is closed for us believers now, the new generations. In fact, Benjamin, me too, I have not seen it anywhere in the Bible where the heavens are closed. So all those people that are proponents of that, when we see them, we need to ask them because there's no such thing in the Bible. The heavens are, the believer is in heaven, is seated in Christ. So the heavens cannot be closed over a believer. Okay, Benji. <laughs> Looks like Global was just waiting for Benjamin to take him to, <laughs> to finish the matter. Okay, Global we we come into that juncture that we need to say our bye-byes in another four minutes. So we still allow the lines for you to make at least one call. Let's see if we can squeeze in one call. But let's tell you, all through the week, we're going to have freestyle editions. So keep your messages coming. Keep your text messages, your emails just coming like that. 
this one, Gemma Roach, writes, I would like Global about to know about the communion table. Is it compulsory to practice it? If we don't, is there judgment attached to it for the believer in Christ? There's no judgment for not taking snacks. No judgment for not taking bread and tea. There's no judgment whatsoever. So, um, again, I'll recommend for you the book on the communion table. It will help you to understand that whole concept properly with scriptural exegesis. But if you like, you can take? Well, if you, if you like, you can take snacks. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong in taking snacks. Global Just Global. drink something and eat something. There's nothing wrong. Okay, Global Bar, let's run on. I think this comes from um, Kamga Marie Caroline. It says, hello, Global Baba, and the Intercontinental Mr. Bush. According to the scriptures, that's Ephesians 119. Can someone steal the power of God or anointing from another? The power of God or anointing of God is God himself dwelling in us. How can stealing it be possible? Thank you, Global Baba. I have never heard about stealing the power of God. I've never heard of it anywhere. So, um, you know, uh, it's not possible. Okay, so Prudent John writes, says, Hello, Global Baba, my beloved Global Baba. I bring you greetings from my heart. Please, I need your words and advice on what to do with my life. Sir, nudity always runs on my mind and leads me to masturbation most times, and I really need or want to put a stop to it. I've tried all I could, but nothing. Please, Global Baba, I'm tired of it all. Tell me what to do about it and pray for me too. Prudent John. Prudent, very easy. Just set your mind on Christ. Stop trying not to do it. Stop trying not to struggle. Stop the struggle. Just get yourself loaded. Get a lot of our teachings. Spend an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, an hour in the evening listening and trying to understand the word. While you are engaging your mind in those, all those nudity things will disappear because the word of God renews your mind. That's your key to victory there. Coyote Williams is the last but one entry or one person that will take on this edition of the program. Blessed day, Global Baba, even as every day, you've made me a 6 a.m., a noon, and a 6 p.m. addict, and great is the impact. Global what does that mean? That's a good one. 6 a.m., we have devotional, Christocentric okay. meal. Midday. 12 noon, we have a broadcast for one hour. And then 6 p.m., the usual service. So it says grace always, even exceedingly in the word to us in jesus name daddy any clarity in this area who is lucifer satan's identity before the fall and as more than half of the world teaches was he really in charge of music before god thank you no he was not in charge of anything he was just a servant one of the servants to serve man and he wanted to be like man he wanted to occupy the place of the adamic position that's all he was looking for and that became the fall because him and Adam swapped offices. That's exactly what it is. Not anymore. In a moment, uh, Global Baba will have a closing prayers for everyone who sent in a prayer request or two. But first, let me round off with something that came from the live audience here. Hello, Global Baba and Mr. Bush. Global Baba, I'd like to thank you for fathering me. Please, um, Global Baba, my question is, at what point is the man married to a woman? Having seen that, the scripture says that the both will leave the parents and be joined together. A case where the man and the woman love and submit to each other, but don't have much money to fulfill the traditional rights, especially at such a time as now when the bride price is so costly. What should they do? Well, again, like we always say, you negotiate with the parents. Let them know that marriage is not a once-off. Marriage is a relationship. So... 
you talk to them and see how they can consider you let the lady also speak to her parents and see how they can consider you to be able to pay for all the traditional rights once you do that and the parents hand over the lady to you you know you're free to get married even if you don't pay everything that they wanted but you're able to satisfy them to a point where they can hand over the lady to you and give you their blessing my brother you're married no Baba, we have one minute to say our bye-byes and then of course it is prayers we'll do that in 15 seconds come back and say our bye-byes oh sure why not father we pray for those in need we take authority over the harassment of the devil satan will rebuke you right now we pray for healing for those who are sick restoration for those whom the enemy has molested we ask for a miracle for those who need a miracle receive that miracle amen. in jesus name amen amen so, Baba, we've come full cycle on this edition of the program remember all through this week we're doing freestyle edition so just stick around with us my name is michael bush my producer is pastor ij Quere. he joins me complete with the production team to bring on global barber dr ebel damina in the continental mr bush it's been a wonderful start i'm telling you a great takeoff remember we're live tonight on inspiration 9 to 10 heritage 11 i mean 10 to 12 and tomorrow morning 5.45 XLFM, 11 to 1, Radio Aquaibom, 1 to 3 uh, XLFM. And we're back here in Grand Style tomorrow evening, 6 p.m. on Comfort. It's going to be exciting. Get more people to hook up to the teachings of God's word. And until we see you tomorrow, enjoy the grace of Christ and be blessed. Goodbye from Uyo, Nigeria. Amen.